From Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. So I was thinking we might uh, do something a little bit different with the podcast this week where we would play a game of Yahtzee and, um, you know, do live commentary on the Yahtzee game while also recapping the week in education. But we need just, to we need to bring Yahtzee back. Apparently, the kids aren't playing. Uh, it. Apparently, you know, it's it's one of those one of those things that's just gone by the wayside. You know, it was historic week in the House Education Committee, and not just because Yahtzee became a talking point, which we can kind of explain <laughs> a little bit more as we go. But it really was a historic week, and it sets up. Who knows what it sets up uh, as this uh, process on rules and academic standards uh, continues to unfold. Yeah, this the debate came to a head in a big way this week, Kevin, as you know, after five weeks of anticipation and debate and divisive hearings, House Education took action uh, on Wednesday this week. It voted to outright repeal all of the academic standards for K-12 public schools in English in math and in science. It got rid of the senior math requirement and it deleted several appendices uh, that were referencing or attached to the standards. And uh, kind of a historic, unprecedented move. And you know, the context is really important because we do not know what will happen. The legislature's rulemaking process is very convoluted, but in order to officially remove these types of rules, uh, the standards from the books. It takes both legislative chambers agreeing. And crucially, the Senate Education Committee has not voted, has not weighed in, will not vote this week, and will not vote till at least next week. But the Senate Education Committee does control the final decisive vote. And so we really don't know where we stand vis-a-vis um, -vis the future of these right. academic standards until the Senate takes action. But, right. But, you know, but I think, too, though, is, you know, let's, you know, Take a step back, though, and put into context just how far House Education went in, in their votes this week. I mean, you were there all week. It wasn't just a removal of a few of the science standards like we saw no. a couple of years ago, the references to, to climate change, uh, to the, the age of the planet. This was an outright repeal of everything in the science standards from top to bottom. That's exactly right. And it came on the heels of another vote on rules that was kind of unexpected. We haven't talked about it yet on, on the day, teacher certification. Just the day before, uh, House Education Committee repealed all the standards for initial teacher certification. And this affects, this really affects, in legislative parlance, they call it the educator preparation programs. Mm -hmm. But that's really the colleges and universities that have uh, teaching programs that are basically preparing our future teaching workforce. And there had been some testimony early in the year from ABCTE, which is one of the alternative authorization routes that is available in Idaho. Uh, one of their directors, Melanie Olmsted, I believe was her name, came and testified saying the program and the requirements were problematic for ABCTE. We also know that BYU-Idaho uh, has not been able or has in the past, in the recent past, struggled uh, to meet some of these state requirements, so much so that some of their students needed to take some additional coursework um, to be sure that they would that they would meet these requirements and but yeah that that was on Tuesday Representative Gary Marshall um, longtime uh, former administrator from BYU Idaho led the effort to repeal these initial teacher certification standards and I had someone ask me earlier this week why initial teacher certification standards what does that mean well that means the standards for our brand new teachers as opposed mm -hmm. to the recertification standards or the continuing 
the recertification standards so for more of a veteran. just coming out of education school, uh, just coming out of college, just starting their, their careers. Right. And so we're really, and again, the Senate has not acted, and so we don't know what will happen, but the House Education Committee has basically said they're okay with this kind of Wild West approach to education where there would be no standards on the books for teacher for initial teacher certification or for the academic standards for all of them for math, English, and science. And the State Board of Education and State Superintendent Sherry Ibarra has been very clear that if they do go through and successfully repeal these standards, there is nothing to replace them with. There would, mm-hmm. they would, we wouldn't revert back to old standards or anything like that. They would just be gone from the books. And so there's some speculation that maybe the State Board of Education would reinstate standards on a temporary basis. But I've talked to some of those officials, and they're not sure exactly how the process would play out. They described it as a heavy lift and said it could take time, and there could be a gap between when the legislative session ends or adjourns and and when some sort of something can be reinstated. So the House Education has very much set the stage where we could have this Wild West environment where there are no standards in those particular areas. And I checked with the State Board of Education, and they believe that this would be unprecedented. Mm -hmm. They do not believe that the Idaho legislature has ever entirely repealed academic standards. Obviously, we've had these hearings in the last four or five years. They've tried to pick apart four or five standards here, some supporting content there. Uh, But in terms of the outright wholesale repeal, they believe this is unprecedented. And, And I did check with the state board, and there are federal laws, federal laws and requirements that states do have to have education standards in place, and, and then they do them. have to attest to mm-hmm. those standards. Uh, the law doesn't say what the test has to be, uh, but you have to have standards in place, and you have to test to them, and educators have said that standards are sort of a set of quality benchmarks, a set of guidelines that basically establish what a student is expected to know or learn uh, throughout the course of the year. And we've already had teachers and educators emailing to us and say, what am I supposed to teach to next year? And the answer, unfortunately, is is we just don't know. Right. And I don't think anybody can know. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to kick the can here. I don't think anybody can really know until the Senate Education Committee acts, if they act next week. And the Senate Education Committee, of course, has a couple of options. In simple terms, they can agree with the House and reject the standards, which would completely remove them from the books, or Instead, the Senate Education Committee could approve the standards and the certification standards, and then that would be enough on its own to leave them in place despite what the House has done. And so we just don't know, but absolutely significant and historic, an unprecedented effort that's underway among what was already an unprecedented review of the administrative rules, which is kind of why we got here in the first place. This very complicated, wonky procedural stuff that's going on that's dominated the first five weeks of this legislative session. And this feels like a review, but I think it's important to review what, what standards are as opposed to curriculum, as opposed to assessment. Yeah, uh, Standards are the roadmap of where the state expects students to be in a subject matter at a certain grade. By grade three, a student is supposed to be able to do this, this, and this in yeah. math. Yeah. And then by grade four, they're supposed to do this, this, and this. And standards are established at the state level but curriculum is chosen at the school level. That's exactly Lesson right. plans are figured out by the teacher. That's uh, exactly right. Textbooks are bought at the district level or the, the charter school level. So that's that's not what the state is dictating. The state is establishing standards and allowing schools to figure out how to uh, how to put together a curriculum that aligns to the standards. 
And the assessments, those are pretty much set at the state level. They're not federally mandated as assessments. It's really up to the state to figure out what, what which vehicle, assessment. What you have to have an assessment. assessment. Got to have something, but yeah. you, you figure out which one it is. Right. So, yeah, I think that's important to remember, you know, where these decisions are made. These are state-level decisions or district-level decisions when we're talking about uh, curriculum. So much of this debate about the standards and so much of the debate about the math and English uh, standards has been about Common Core it and is. about the alignment of Idaho's core standards to Common Core and the establishment of Idaho's English and language arts standards in the context of the Common Core movement of about a decade ago. And I felt like a lot of the debate that you were hearing in House Education this week, that Common Core hasn't worked. We've had it in place for 10 years. Uh, Dorothy Moon, who's been kind of the leading critic of Common Core standards, is, said, we're not seeing improvement. We see kids who hate math to the point where they don't play Yahtzee anymore. That's, you know. That was where that that was where that Yahtzee line came through, and and Representative Moon made a very strong statement, and I just want to read it word for word. But when Representative Moon, uh, who supported repealing the standards, was talking about student achievement and how Common Core has not increased student achievement, Representative Moon had this to say, and it's short, and so I'll just quote it. But quote: "There is no way we are putting kids out." who are capable of going to college, end quote. Uh, that's what Representative Moon said during that hearing. Um, it was one of a number of strong statements that were mm -hmm. made that day. Uh, but absolutely, uh, her and, and Representative Judy Boyle, Republican from Midvale, uh, were instrumental um, in, in pushing for the repeal of the standards. And it was a majority of the Republicans on House Education, not all of them, uh, but a majority of the Republicans on House Education who voted to repeal the standards and then all three Democrats, which is John McCrosty, Chris Abernathy, and Steve Birch, were joined by Chairman Lance Clow, Republican from Twin Falls, and Vice Chairman Ryan Kirby, Republican from New Plymouth, in opposing mm -hmm. the vote to reject the standards. All the, the 10 remaining Republicans on House Ed all supported the removal right. the, the, of the, the standards. The rank-and-file Republicans on this committee essentially overrode leadership on this committee, the, the chair and the vice chair, which you don't always see. That's a fairly unusual occurrence except in house education where <laughs> no i mean i'm not no no, no. i mean obviously making a little bit of a light here but um in house education we have seen that a lot where the rank and file controls that committee uh, there were a couple of instances last year where that came to light there was an interview at the end of the session that i did with some of those members who proudly said we are putting the world on notice that the house education committee is the player uh, and, and is the decider when it comes to education policy in the state of Idaho. That was how the 2019 legislative session ended up, and we can see where they picked up in, in, in 2020. But having said that, House Education is not the, the sole decider on this. Right. Now the scene shifts to the Senate Education Committee, which we'll be watching closely. No date at this point in, in terms of when Senate Education will take up the omnibus rules, as we've been calling them, the the old rules that are being re, uh, reviewed, which include the academic standards, which include the teacher certification. So far, Senate education has been silent on those issues, um, silent on those rules. We have no sense of when that will come. It, it could happen next week is, is what we're hearing. Yeah, it could happen next week. And I think so. some of the background on Senate education is important. Uh, during the first four weeks of the legislative session, the House had divided 
lengthy hearings on the academic standards, uh, one hearing each for math, science, and English language arts that attracted uh, something like 100 people uh, each day uh, to come and listen, to come and testify. The Senate Education Committee has not yet to date held any public hearings on these academic mm -hmm. standards. And so I think that's an important bit of context. Uh, they have had not had these hearings. Uh, they said they were waiting patiently for the House to scrutinize the standards and to hear the public's concern. But the Senate and, and Senate Education Committee Chairman Dean Mortimer, uh, who is not seeking re-election, have not really telegraphed which way they will go on this. Mm -hmm. uh, there, were, there was an interview a couple of weeks ago on Idaho Reports that you conducted uh, with Senator Mortimer where it sounded almost like he did want to have this discussion, but he was maybe perhaps more interested in moving on uh, to new legislation or a new funding formula proposal but he didn't outright say one way or the other, and so I don't think that I'm in a position to predict what could or what would happen when Senate education votes on this, other than to lay out the possible outcomes, the scenarios. Right, and, and I think it's really hard to predict uh, because the English and math standards, the Common Core aligned standards, those were approved in the Senate in 2011. They were approved in the legislature in 2011, so there's really no recent history to draw on. Science standards, a little bit different story. Senate education approved the science standards in full in 2018, overriding the House at the time. Right. But it's worth noting that what they, what the House had done at that time was the removal of, I want to say, five of the standards. And we're talking about hundreds of standards. Um, and some of the supporting documentation exactly that right. went along with it. What is before the Senate right now from the House is an outright repeal of the entire science standards from top to bottom. That was not before the Senate Education Committee two years ago. So it, it's a little bit tricky to try to do an apples to oranges comparison here. So I'm going to not do that. Right. Um, because you are right. I mean, about the only thing that, that Chairman Mortimer has signaled about the rules process and the standards process in his committee is that he doesn't envision the same kind of lengthy public hearings. Right. Um, his take a couple of weeks ago, and I've heard nothing d different, is that he felt like it was important that members of the House wanted to have those hearings, they wanted to have that discussion, and he was willing to let that play itself out on the House side. And at that point was saying, well, let's wait and see what we get from the House. Well, now we have a better sense of what we get from the House. But what he was saying was, he did not envision lengthy public hearings on the Senate side on the standards, especially on the science standards, which were just approved two years ago. So we don't know about the process and we don't really have enough, you know, good backstory here to be able to predict maybe where the, the committee is going to come down on these standards. And there's, right. That's and, and teacher certification, which is now a, a total, um, you know, Know, curveball that's been brought into this process that we didn't envision house education taking such a, a strong run at repealing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and there's just a couple other points that I want to make about the House Education Committee and the, the context here. At one point during testimony, Representative Gary Marshall, uh, who supported the repeal of the standards, uh, gave this long speech about how this has become too politicized, uh, that we're doing this year after year after year after year, and we don't want to be doing this and we've got to remove the politics from these standards. And I think he may have been, in his mind, talking about the content. But what I've seen in four of the last five legislative sessions, the House Education Committee 
the Republican colleagues of his on that committee are the reason that we've had these lengthy, divisive, drawn-out hearings on particularly the science standards, but on standards in each of the in four of the last five legislative sessions, including this one. It was because of action that House Republicans and the House Education Committee took. And so we've done it in four of the last five years, depending on the way this shakes out, very clear possibilities that we could be having standards hearings both next legislative session, depending on what happens, and uh, during the following legislative session because the English and math standards would be up for a normal scheduled review at that point anyways. So you can see a potential for, we're not done with this by any means. The no. Senate hasn't weighed in this year, but there are scenarios where standards could come back before the legislature in each of the next two upcoming legislative sessions as well. And I just and, wanted to point, to point that out. And the other thing we don't know at this point is we don't know how the House and the Senate are going to reconcile this rules process, not just with education rules, but any rules. They have not come to that agreement yet, I think, to the great frustration of Speaker of the House Scott Bedke and many members of the House. That discussion, the overall discussion on the procedures for how they handle the rules, which gets into whether or not it takes both bodies to reject a rule, uh, those discussions, there has not been that agreement. That's playing out behind closed doors. But here we are. We finished the fifth week of the legislative session, heading into the sixth week of the legislative session, which by conventional metrics could be close to the halfway point of the legislative mm -hmm. session. And House Education has expended considerable political capital engaging in these rules and standards debates. We may be coming up close to the halfway point of the session, have not even really publicly got into discussions about the funding formula, about teacher pay, about accountability. We have not seen what could be controversial bills coming forward from the House Education Committee that we've been told to expect dealing with sex education, transgender student athletes. Haven't even got to any of that yet. So by no means... Where are we at? Like three bills have been introduced in House Education uh, There was another one. Uh, another one was introduced Friday, but they're, I don't want to call them minor bills in the sense that they don't matter, but they're shorter, less technical pieces of legislation, right. mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's not the big headline-grabbing funding formula overhaul or the big or plan for teacher pay or the new accountability structure. It's more Or hot-button issues like sex Right, sex. right. It's more simpler, less technical, less lengthy pieces of legislation, but yet only three or four. And by conventional metrics, we're probably uh, approaching the halfway of a normal legislative session. I don't know that I would call this a normal legislative session, so I don't know how long it will last. I, I wouldn't call it a normal legislative session. And uh, Gary Marshall is right on one point. This has become a very politicized process. Right. And that's going to continue into next week. We can't give you an answer of what's going to happen on the Senate side or what it means for teachers or what it means for students. We may have a little bit better clarity uh, from the Senate next week. But regardless, I think there's a pretty good chance we'll be talking about rules again and standards again when we uh, reconvene the podcast uh, a week from today. Yeah. And so if you want to keep track of, of what's going on, we don't really expect an update over the weekend. Uh, but when you come back next week, IdahoEdNews.org is the homepage. That's the place to be. Um, also, if you're on Twitter, if you use Twitter, we're at Idaho Ed News, at Kevin Richard, at Clark Corbin. As soon as we find out anything about schedules or motions or votes, um, we, we want to share it out. I mean, that, that's, that's our stake in this debate is, is to share the information with the public and to let people know in as timely a fashion as possible 
what this means and what might happen, and and then certainly to track the hearing when it when it does come forward. So Twitter and the homepage are the best places uh, to be if you want to keep in touch with this debate and what happens next. Unfortunately, we we don't really think that it'll be. Uh, much happening over the weekend or any kind of an update that we can pass on to provide any more clarity. But, but if that changes, we will. No. Well, that's what you've been keeping on top of this week, and you've done a, a great job of keeping us current on what's going on in, in house education on rules and on standards. But there are other things going on at the state house. You've covered what could be, so far, the biggest education bill of the season, and it didn't even go through the House Education Committee, but it has to do with election dates, and you had a really interesting piece about this this week. But what's the bill? What would it do? And then walk me through kind of the political debate. Yeah. And I can walk you through why I'm saying that this is such an important yeah. bill. It came came up Monday in the House State Affairs Committee, not the Education Committee. Uh, Representative Wendy Horman from Idaho Falls introduced the bill. And what the bill would do, it's a fairly simple piece of legislation, is uh, it would streamline the school election calendar and it would require school districts to run bond issues and levy elections only two dates out of the year in May, which would coincide with party primaries in even number of years, or November, which would coincide with the general election in any year. Partisan election dates. Partisan in even number of years or municipal election yeah, dates right. yeah, and, sure. and school board elections on odd number of days. But e either way, May or November, her objective, she says, is to try to increase turnout, to have more people voting in these bond issues and levies. What that means is that you would have no more uh, bond issues and levies on the ballot in March and August, which school districts can now do. Those are two of the four dates that are available to school districts. Um, what we did, and I, I got a lot of help from Randy Schrader, our, our data guy, uh, putting the numbers together, I wanted to get a sense of how important those men, those March and August election dates are and maybe what the success rate is uh, on elections in March and August. And I ran a story that we published on Thursday. You can see the numbers for yourself at idahoednews.org. The short story of these four election dates, by far, March is the most uh, common date for bond issues and especially for supplemental levies. Uh, more than half of those ballot measures uh, are run in March or, or have been run in March from 2014 to 2019. That was the six-year window that we looked at. So for all practical purposes, March has become the school election date uh, across the state. And the success rate for bond issues and for supplemental levies and for planned facilities levies is higher in March. School districts have a better chance of passing these measures in March. Now, it doesn't matter a whole lot with supplemental levies because they, they pass at a pretty high rate regardless of the election date. But it's a big difference. Uh, it's a double-digit difference in terms of uh, the passage rate for bond issues and for plant facilities levies, which all require uh, a supermajority of one form or another. So that March election date is really important to uh, school districts. Not surprisingly, the Idaho School Boards Association is coming out against this bill when I asked uh, their lobbyist, Quinn Perry, what are you hearing from your membership about this bill? She summed it up in one word, panic. Uh, so this is setting the stage to be a really interesting and really important debate over school elections. It's in 
enmeshed in a larger debate about property taxes and property tax reform. There's so much talk at the State House about trying to do something to address property taxes and public concern over property taxes that you know, it, it's inevitable and probably not surprising that the scrutiny being focused now on school elections, which are paid through property taxes. I mean, bond issues and levies come from local property taxes. So we'll see where this bill goes. Uh, it will almost certainly get a hearing in the uh, House State Affairs Committee. Um, Representative Horman said that she's expecting uh, a hearing perhaps as early as next week. Um, we've already seen a, a, a separate bill that would prohibit kind of repeat bond issues. Not yeah. just for schools, but for any taxing. Well, that was the bill that came a couple of weeks ago that would, the the net effect of it would basically be if you run a failed bond issue, you could not run similar measure again for another calendar year would be the effect of, and I believe mm -hmm. that was pushed by Representative Heather Scott, I want right. to say, yeah. Republican from Blanchard. So you had that bill that's moved on a separate track, uh, and that's already passed the House, and we'll see what happens with it in the Senate, and we'll see what happens with Representative Horman's bill in in the House State Affairs Committee, and when that comes up for a hearing and what sort of uh, reaction and what sort of uh, reception it gets from State Affairs, you know, State Affairs was the routing, right. uh, that was the committee that uh, took on Heather Scott's bill earlier in the session and passed it out of committee. So, you know, draw from that, you know, the inference that I think is a pretty good chance that there's, uh, you know, support in the House State Affairs Committee to some sort of legislation limiting uh, bond issues and levies to uh, to two election dates instead of four. Yeah. So we'll see. But I, I, think, I think this is an extremely important piece of legislation with, with a lot of implications for how school districts are paying for salaries and benefits, which is a big chunk of where the money from supplemental levies goes. Uh, it has a lot of implications for taxpayers. It has a lot of implications for patrons. And in, in a year where we have spent so much time looking at the rules process, this is a bill that uh, could have some some far-reaching implications, so we'll keep a close eye on it. Well, and I think the way you handicapped it is, is pretty smart. I would think that you have to consider it has a good chance to get out of the House State Affairs Committee, and, and I would think that, therefore, the it would have a good chance to pass the House. And so, you know, once again, eyes would be on the Senate. It's a long way to go, uh, but you got to figure the chances are fairly strong, uh, giving, uh, given the route that it would take and given the earlier action on a different but somewhat related bill and giving the temperament that we know uh, of, of the supermajority. And, and, and given this, this angst that we're hearing around the state house about property taxes and about property tax relief, uh, you know, a lot of legislators talking about how doing something about property taxes is kind of a must have, but they, they have to see something done about property taxes. This legislative session, you know, uh, a, a quick promo, uh, Idaho reports this week, uh, our uh, colleague Betsy Russell from the Idaho Press sat down with Mike Moyle, the House Majority Leader, talked about property taxes. And he said in no uncertain terms, if the legislature does nothing about property taxes this year, he expects that there would be an initiative of some kind uh, sooner, not later, to address property taxes. So, you know, you know where Mike Moyle is on property taxes and on taxes and in general. <laughs> but, you know, he is saying what I think we've also heard from House Speaker Scott Bedke, that, you know, there's enough voter unrest about property taxes that the legislature feels the onus to do something. And, and I think you know, as a backdrop of that debate, you have uh, a lot more scrutiny uh, being 
attached to school elections and ballot measures to use property taxes to pay for schools. And interestingly, uh, I can't help but think back to the Boise State University Public Policy Survey where they asked Idahoans, uh, a sampling of Idahoans, how they feel about their taxes. And generally speaking, Idahoans said they felt they were about right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was the latest survey that was just released a couple of weeks ago. And um, so I don't know, just thought that was an interesting uh, uh, bit to tack on. If you ask Idahoans, at least according to this survey, uh, they say taxes are about right. If you ask the Idaho legislature, uh, it's full-on panic mode over property taxes. And so kind of interesting, but also this is an election year. And uh, I hate to speculate, but that may uh, play a part of it. (laughs) I think so. I think there's, you know, I think there's definitely uh, a lot of sentiment towards uh, addressing taxes this legislative session. And, you know, speaking of, of House Majority Leader Mike Moyle, he has several pieces of legislation on property taxes. One that he reintroduced in committee uh, earlier this week would impose a one-year freeze on property taxes. Now, that would not affect schools, and that was the the rewrite that he did on the bill was to clarify that his one-year freeze would affect cities and counties, but it would not affect schools. It would not affect supplemental levies or bond issues or plant facilities levies or even the emergency levies the districts uh, impose in the, you know, to respond to rising enrollment. So while schools are exempt from that piece of legislation, you know that the the talk about property taxes and property tax relief is going to affect the way this legislature looks at school funding. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's been it's been a busy week. We had a ton of stuff on the homepage that we're not going to be able to get too in depth on this podcast because of. I think the historic nature of what, <laughs> yes. what happened. But um, if you need to get caught up, IdahoEdNews.org uh, is the place to be. We had le- legislative coverage uh, each day. We had your story uh, about the levy and bond election dates. Uh, we've had a ton of stuff, and it's been a busy yeah. week. A story um, I want to fly to from the State House that Sammy Edge wrote on Thursday about some Eagle High School students who had a bill before the House. Health and Welfare Committee, and they did sneak it through. They did get uh, their bill introduced uh, regarding vaping and smoking in vehicles. Barely got it Barely. introduced. You know, they, so they have their work cut out for them down the road, but uh, they were before the House Health and Welfare Committee, and they, they got their bill introduced. Sammy has coverage of that, so you can read all about that and, and get caught up about everything that has happened in education and in, in, in education politics at the State House this week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you want to, if you want a little bit more, Kevin and I uh, will both be on Idaho Reports. You can catch it at eight o'clock on Idaho Public Television. That's Friday, February seventh. Otherwise, it's going to be available online all weekend and and all and the I, rest of the session. And I'll post the link to the uh, the show on my blog. I've been doing that uh, all session, so I will try to get that done sometime this weekend. As soon as we get the uh, the embedded video, we will do that. All right. It's going to be another busy week at the legislative session next week. We'll be watching, keeping an eye on the Senate to to see if they're ready to vote on academic standards. We also have a State Board of Education meeting uh, involving some long-term planning for education goals that I'm going to try to cover uh, midweek. And and I think it's interesting now, House Education appears to be wrapping up its standards and rules review, which means it's going to move on. Uh, to legislation and new bill deadlines and new bill introduction. And uh, House Education does not have the same deadline that the Senate does on Monday for introducing new legislation. And so we're going to see things kind of shift gears in the House to focus, rather than rules review, on new legislation and new hearings. And so will we see 
a funding formula bill emerge at some point. We know those discussions are taking place, but... Uh, and we might on the Senate side, because Monday is the deadline for Senate education to introduce legislation. It's possible, and we've seen this in past years, that that uh, deadline date comes with a, comes with it a, a flurry of new yeah. pieces of legislation. So that that's something we're going to watch for on Monday to see what, uh, what emerges in Senate education what bills get introduced and, and where those uh, bills go from there. We'll, we'll watch as the session unfolds, but Monday could be a, a busy day in Senate education with or without any discussion of rules. Yeah, we'll stay on top of it. We're going to stay busy and, and do our best uh, to make sense of everything that's going on at the State House. It does move at a pretty fast clip, uh, but luckily we're both there all day, every day, and, 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 and that's what we do. But we always appreciate you joining us as we kind of explore this complicated intersection of education policy and education politics. We have a lot of fun each week on the Extra Credit Podcast. We will be back next week with another new episode. In the meantime, I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.